What's up, everybody? This is Riley O'Brien. I'm here with Doug Anderson, Austin Cunningham, and Justin Treese, and we are Talking Football. So today we have Dalton Reisner, and we get to hear his story of growing up in a small town and how he ended up at Kansas State with Coach Snyder, and then his transition of becoming a three-time captain for the Wildcats, and then how he made his way up into the Senior Bowl and into the Combine as he's getting ready to head into the NFL. And we're also talking about the free agency frenzy that started this morning. One of our favorite things to do to interact with you guys that are listening is we're answering Twitter questions. Today we're going to talk a little bit about the safeties and where we think they're going to go during this free agency period. We uh, we got some football to talk, gentlemen. Obviously today um, free agency kicked off. Um, got a lot of names that uh, are changing teams. Some of us are excited. Maybe some of us are uh, not quite as excited. Um, I need to ask you guys, what was the biggest surprise today? What what uh, move surprised you the most? So for me, it was how active the Detroit Lions were. Um, I didn't see them being um, that aggressive that early. But um, with the players that they got, I think that they're really trying to build uh, that defense up. Um, obviously, they also got Danny Amendola for the offense to uh, help out with the short passing game. But uh, overall, I, I like what the Lions did. Uh, obviously, the the big name is Trey Flowers, and um, we talked about him the last podcast. I think uh, I said whoever got him is getting a hell of a football player, and I think uh, they got him. And obviously, uh, with their GM and head coach, they have a lot of familiarity with uh, the New England Patriots and, and Flowers in particular. He, yeah, he's ranked, what, third on the top 100 free agents? Yeah, he's number three. Yep. I mean, yeah, that, that's a great – I'm ex- extremely excited that the Lions were able to get him. Austin, what about you? Um, I would definitely say Landon Collins going to the Redskins. Um, I definitely thought that was a shock just because I didn't think they had the cap space for it. And then the fact they were able to sign him to a six-year deal for $84 million, which is just absolutely absurd because last year the safety market was just non-existent in this year. I'm, just, I'm speechless, honestly, because that's just ridiculous. I'm I'm happy the Chiefs got, you know, the Honey Badger. That's great. But Landon Collins was definitely on top of that list. So I think that was definitely the biggest the biggest surprise of the day for me. Well, well dude, I mean, like, there are safeties that are redefining the market. Like, how much math you went for, Collins went for, like, things are changing. And it's crazy because I had never would have thought like a box safety would get paid that much money. Yeah, I think I think him being in Washington, I think it's going to be an opportunity for him to show how versatile he can be. Because, you know, like you said, a box safety, I think a lot of people have kind of put that label on him. But he does show that versatility of be, being able to be more than just a box safety. And so I think in Washington, he'll be able to kind of prove that as well. Yeah, yeah I think it's a good fit for him. Um for me, I think my biggest surprise was Terrell Suggs leaving the Ravens after he said over and over again he wants to finish his career there, and he's going to the Cardinals. I, that blew me away. That was just weird to me. And he's a little older, but, I mean, he's towards the end of his career. He's almost 40, ain't he? I mean, what's he going to do in Arizona? I mean, money talks, right? I didn't really, like, pay attention to this until some people on Twitter did, and then we kind of looked it up. But he went to Arizona, so he's back home. 
which makes sense to finish your career at home. But at the same time, when you tell an organization you want to finish your career there, I imagine it was a shock to the front office when he said, yeah, I want to leave. I want out. Okay, perfect. Now, obvious question here. We talked a little little bit about it um, a couple weeks ago in the uh, first episode. We're waiting to kind of hear whether it was uh, official, what the numbers, the figures would be. Trees, give us some feedback. Nick Foles is your quarterback in Jacksonville. Sounds like not only for this year, but years to come. Yeah, so they signed him to a four-year deal worth $88 million, 50.1 guaranteed. Um, if he hits all of his incentives, he can get up to a max of $102 million. Um, in reality, it's he's not going to hit that. I would be surprised if he's their quarterback in four years from now. Um, but yeah, that's uh, some big time money for a quarterback that won a Super Bowl a couple years ago, right? So for me on that, it's more than what I wanted to give up. Uh, personally, I think I kind of spoke about this on the last podcast. I, I was hoping for more around that 18 million, 17 million range, but it's a guy that can throw the football, <laughs> unlike what Blake Bortles has done the last five years in uh, Jacksonville. Um, I'm ready to just see a, an offense that can that can move the ball. So, yes, probably slight overpay, but, I mean, every fan's sick of not having an offense, so uh, I'm not going to complain about it. Yeah, Trace, I got a question for you here real quick. Um, who, at what point were you done with Bortles? I mean, did you kind of give him – some leeway once you guys got to the AFC Championship game, or were you were you already just done with them and knew you were there because of your defense? Uh, yeah, well, so we knew it was because of the defense, but so what I wanted was them just to pick up his fifth year option last year, um, and then just play out one more year. It's kind of like a franchise tag in a sense, right? Rather than signing him to a new three year deal, which is what they ended up doing. Um, so what sucks is, uh, this weekend, all of us were talking and they released, uh, I almost said Khalil Mack, um, Malik Jackson, Carlos Hyde and Tayshawn Gibson did to release all three, release all three of them to save up about 32 million in cap space and 15 million of that is going to be going straight to Blake Bortles when they release him on, on Wednesday. If you would have just picked up the fifth year option and gave him one more basically trial run. We wouldn't be in this situation. Who do you hope out of everybody that's left in free agency? Who do you hope that the Jags sign? Like realistically, too. Yeah. Um. So I mean, it's so hard with now that that huge contract, right? Um. So um, I really would like Adrian Amos, um, safety out of the Bears. Um. I don't know if with how we kind of just talked about with this market of safeties, man. He. He might be too expensive, but I think he, I think he's kind of like got that swagger that would fit in, fit in nicely with Ramsey and Boye in the background. But, um, uh, so that's kind of who I'm hoping for. Um, I would like, um, some low key, just, uh, offensive lineman help like Andy Levert. Um, uh, he's the, he, he's been playing for the Falcons the last, I think four years, three years. Uh, he was injured most of last year, but I think that he would be a good kind of plug-and-play on the offensive line um, to kind of help. But um, So I'd say like those two. I think it's going to be a lot of glue guys for the Jags moving forward, not so many uh, big-name splashes. Yeah, because I was just curious, because of how you started with that too, is like Foles signed such a big contract. 
it's like now you have to play with the cap room, make sure you have space for certain players. But yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Is there uh, any other uh, uh, signings today that uh, kind of blew you guys away? Anything that you uh, didn't foresee coming? Um, well, just barely. Lamarcus Joyner has decided to sign or to go with uh, the Raiders. When earlier the Raiders had just said they don't have any more cash, and now they somehow were able to land Lamarcus. Oh, so he gave him a couple hours. They gave him a couple hours, sold something. Um, so that one just barely surprised me. Um, so Alexander, the linebacker going to the 49ers, I thought was, um, I mean, oh he, he, he did link there for a while now for a couple weeks, but, um, I mean, that's a big time contract for a guy coming off an ACL injury four years. I think it was $54 million. Um, I mean, Niners have the money and they're trying to, they're trying to get that athletic linebacking core. So it, it all makes sense, but I mean. That's a lot of money for a guy that literally shredded his knee into pieces less than less than twelve months ago. <laughs> so let let me ask you guys this. Obviously all these GMs today are waking up. It's a it's a huge day for them. What GM is falling asleep tonight feeling like he uh, got his uh, money's worth today? Which which GM did the best? Mike Mayock. Yeah, I'll say Mike Mayock. I just didn't want to because it's the Raiders, but yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. It's hard. Okay, that's why we put you in that situation there. <laughs> yeah, no, because, I mean, Antonio Brown, then he grabs all these different other playmakers. Like, what the hell, man? Yeah, and I love the Trent, the Trent Brown signing for him. Um, I mean – Having him and then Miller, their first round pick last year, they got some two huge tackles now. Both are like six eight, like three thirty or something like that, three fifty. Like they're uh, they're taking care. Of, they're gonna try to take care of uh, old Derek Carr over there. Oh, for real, for real. I mean, all right. Just as a quick rundown for the Raiders offseason so far: hire Mike Mayock as GM, acquire Antonio Brown. You then they re-sign the defensive tackle, Jonathan Hankins, signed left tackle, Trent Brown, signed safety, LaMarcus Joyner, and they still have all of their first-round picks. Yeah. That's how you do an offseason. That's that's expertly executed. They are doing it very well. Another GM that I think that's going to go to bed, you know, tonight feeling well, feeling like, you know, he helped his team out a lot, and I think you're going to like this answer, Um, is going to be the Lions GM, Bob, Bob Quinn. I think he's done an exceptional job today. You know, he went and added... Some pieces that are definitely needed. You know, not a lot of them were big names, but they're guys that are going to come in and make a difference, you know, and kind of allow them to build off of that going forward with Patricia and allow him to build the team the way he wants it and continue on from there. You know, it makes me uh, curious, and I want to ask you guys this as well, how moves today have kind of affected the outlook of the draft already. But in uh, his postseason press conference, Bob Quinn talked about getting more talent around Stafford. And some that you hear every offseason, yeah, we got to get, you know, our quarterback more help. But all these signings, um, I mean, at least with Trey Flowers, uh, Justin Coleman, they're addressing needs that we thought might be focuses in the draft, went and got them in free agency. Makes me wonder, uh, you know, maybe the first round pick is an offensive player, whether it's a lineman or uh, I don't know. There, there's options everywhere. But uh, obviously with TJ Lang uh, being released, Got to keep uh, Matthew Stafford upright before uh, 
you know, anything else happens. But it, it's good to see. It seems like Bob Quinn needed to have an offseason like this where he uh, is putting his money where his mouth is, getting the pieces there because it's uh, it, a lot of pressure on he and Matt Patricia next season. Eagles. Yeah. Um, they they signed Malik Jackson to a three-year, $30 million contract, um, beefing up that defensive line. I That's arguably the best defensive line in football now. Um, and then they traded for Deshaun Jackson. They got um, kind of that speedster back that they wanted. Um, now they don't have to use a mid-round pick for him anymore. Um, and I think they're kind of getting to that point where – they're going to be able to just take best available player in the draft and go to bed comfortably. Um, I don't see a ton of weaknesses on that Eagles team. They've done a really good job those these last couple of weeks of re-signing a lot of like key veterans just to like one-year deals. Uh, Kelsey, their center, Peters, their left left tackle, and a few others. So. Um, they're kind of just going like, okay, let's just go year by year at this point, um, and then we can be building. Even if we if we're drafting guys that are going to be backups this year, uh, we can draft just best available player to get them ready for the future. I think I think Trey said it right on the money there. Question I do have for you guys, um, looking at how things shake, we're hearing a lot of uh, rumors that uh, Cliff may get his guy with Kyler Murray, Josh Rosen. We're hearing is on the market. Talk to me about his trade value. If you were a GM, what are you willing to give up for Josh Rosen at this point? You know, with Josh Rosen, like, I I could see the Cardinals going for Kyler Murray one or even trading that number one overall pick, and a team does get Kyler number one overall. But if they were to trade Josh Rosen, I don't think they would get what they want, that's for sure, because teams could take advantage of that. Like, you can see they're trying to trade away Josh Rosen. They want Kyler. Let's kind of see if we can take advantage of them if they seem a little desperate. And, I mean, I don't see them getting more than a third-round pick for Josh Rosen. Yeah, I mean, Antonio Brown just went for a third and a fifth. What, right. What does what <laughs> Rosen go for? Right. Like, uh, I feel like that even affected the OBJ trade. Like, there's no way you're going to get two first-round picks for OBJ when Antonio Brown went for a third and a fifth. Uh do you guys think he that Josh Rosen can be a franchise quarterback? With the right coaching and a better O-line. Very much so, yeah. I just don't know I, where are some landing spots for him now because the Redskins went and got Case Keenum, which is good for them. It gives them a, you know the option to maybe take a quarterback in the first round if they decide to do that. Or you know they, have, they give themselves another year or two with Keenum to kind of get everything else set up, and then they can bring in a quarterback and go from there. You look at the Dolphins, that just seems like a mess in itself. Because who do they have on offense besides maybe an Albert Wilson or Grant? I mean, you don't have a tight end. You don't have a number one option at receiver. Your defense is okay. And then the Giants, it, right now it looks like the Giants don't care. You know, they let Landon Collins walk away. Where are they going in the draft? Are they gonna? Are they willing to trade draft picks for Rosen? And if so, that might be a good fit, but their offensive line isn't set for Rosen. So then Rosen's going to go to New York and get a beating from opposing defenses and the media. And the attitude that he has isn't going to help himself either with the GM and the, the coaches. So it's, it's honestly just kind of a market of where's Rosen going to be okay in, not where is he going to go. Yeah, his off- offensive line didn't help him. Um, even talking with Doug a little earlier, it sounds like uh, Josh Rosen – 
mechanically is developing some bad habits. Yeah, he he has really bad timing on hitch routes. Anytime a receiver tries to transition, he has bad timing. He takes an extra step towards the line. But those weren't things he did at UCLA. They're just things he's developed, especially having to try and work around one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. And, you know, we are going to sit here and, you know, talk bad about the Cardinals offense line, but a huge part of it was injuries. It wasn't that they were just bad to be bad. They, at That's one true. point, they That's were true. down to none of their starting offensive linemen, and they were past the third people in line on the depth chart. I mean, they were they were bringing in guys who would come in and practice on a Friday and then start on Sunday. You know, I've heard Justin Pugh talk about that with, you know, him getting hurt in the beginning of the season and then everyone else just falling like just dominoes. So a lot of the blame is going to go on the offensive line, but it's not necessarily their fault that they got hurt. That's true. That That's true. I'll give them that. And also, it's not just the line. It's not just Rosen. It could also be play calling. Um, they weren't really setting him up to succeed, especially when Larry Fitzgerald's your only option. I actually am curious on Austin and Doug's take here. What if... Yeah. What if the Bengals traded a third-round pick for him? Sit behind Andy Dalton for a year, if need be, right? You got Zach Taylor as your as your OC, or I mean as your head coach, sorry. Obviously coming from the mastermind down in, in L.A., you know. Uh, he's very similar in a sense of, like, Jared Goff. What do you guys think of that fit? I like it. I haven't even thought of that as an option. You know, I just went on my, my little tangent there, and the Bengals didn't come up one one time, but I honestly do think Would that they could gave be up a, a good fit. For him? I think a third rounder might be a little much, but I mean, you throw in a, I'd say a fourth. And if the, if the Cardinals say yes to a fourth, I mean, that's, I feel like that's a pretty good fit for the Bengals. So if you're Cincinnati, you go to Arizona, offer what? A fourth? Yeah, I'd say offer a fourth with, with Andy Dalton too. And this isn't just because I'm a Browns fan the Bengals are turning into the trash of the AFC North. Don't even feel bad saying that because it's true. <laughs> they just re-signed Bobby Hart. They are asking for it. I do actually really like that take, though. Um, Rosen, I feel like, is kind of a guy that could sit for a year, develop a little bit better doing that. I think it would be good for his character, and I think it would be really good with developing with mechanics, developing relationships in the locker room, Um I actually really like that. Yeah, That's a good take. Austin, you mentioned you hadn't thought of it. I hadn't uh, thought of Rosen in a Bengals jersey. Doug, I don't know if you had, but Cincinnati, if you're listening, you're welcome. <laughs> Just intrigued. Well, here, let's take, let's take this another step, though. Let's say, because I don't think Rosen is going to want to, you know, of course he doesn't want to be traded, but it's not up to him right now. Yep. But he started all of last year. I mean, he showed enough, you know, to earn a starting role. So what if the Dolphins trade for Dalton, get rid of Tannehill, who cares where Tannehill goes, bringing Dalton to the Dolphins, and then uh, Rosen goes to Cincinnati? Even better, right? You get the Dalton contract off your books. You Mm -hmm. bring in him, uh, him being uh, Rosen. Um, And, I mean, isn't Andy Dalton the perfect bridge quarterback, which is exactly what the Dolphins are looking for? I mean, yes. like, besides yes. besides Tyrod Taylor, I actually can't think of a better bridge quarterback than Andy Dalton. So um, I like that take. Um, I think that's a win for everybody right there. Um, I like that. 
I really like that, especially with the sense of, I mean, the Bengals, they're trying to rid themselves of the Marvin Lewis days of mediocrity, essentially. Bring in new coaching staff, a potential new franchise quarterback, and then also helping out the Dolphins with their weird situation that they put themselves in. I, Those are two takes I love. And if they happened, I would actually be pretty stoked. I want to get your guys' feedback. Um, Antonio Brown gets traded for a third and fifth round pick. Was it too much? Was it too little? And how is he going to play in Oakland? Well, I mean, have you have you guys seen that the, the Patriots offered a second and a fourth? I did not see that. Yeah, the, I did the, not I, see that either. So I guess the Patriots offered a second and a fourth, but they uh, they didn't want to give them to the Patriots, which I don't blame them. Yeah, Freak, dude. Yeah, I don't either. And his, in his Instagram live video, he gave it away. Like his buddy in the background was like, you're already committed to the like, the – the silver and black or whatever. He, so do you guys think he knew of that when the Bills trade was announced and he jumped on and said fake news? Do you think he knew? He kind of forced his way to Oakland? I think he maybe eliminated the Bills himself personally. Yeah. I think the trade to the Raiders was the Steelers just kind of, you know, that was the real sign of them just being like, all right, we're done. You know, we've had enough of this. We're paying you a lot of money. There's no win for us here. Let's get some draft picks, a third and a fifth. That's really not that bad. You know, yeah, it seems cheap for a star wide receiver, but he's also 30, and he's caused nothing but issues for the front office. Maybe not the not within the players, but with, you know, your starting franchise quarterback, the guy who's gotten you multiple Super Bowls since he's been there. It, at some point, you're like, we're ready to move on from this, and I think the trade with the Raiders showed that. And with the Steelers being able to prove – you know, their way of developing receivers, you know, just in their history as a franchise. I don't know the Steelers with, without ever having a receiver that's going to scare the opposing defense. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I think with the third and a fifth and the depth in the wide receiver class this year, I think the Steelers are like, all right, we got, Brand, we got Brown out of here. Now let's, let's find someone here in the later rounds with these extra picks. Maybe we can use them to bundle and trade up and get a receiver that we really like. And then with, you know, the emergence of Juju since, you know, he's joined the Steelers in the first round a couple years ago, I don't think they have any problem getting rid of him for a third and a fifth. We also got to put it into account, it's not just a third and a fifth, right? It's also a new contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that does, put, that does put a little bit more into it. I mean, he's the highest paid wide receiver now. And like Austin said, I mean, he's 30 now. He's going to be 31 before the season's over. Um, how many more years has he got left? So, yeah. So, two two questions that both have to do with the, the Steelers, actually. Um, do you think that Ben gave them an ultimatum of either either Brown leaves or I leave? The what if. Like, whenever you have to build a relationship or retain an, a relationship off an ultimatum, that's not healthy. Right. Um, yeah, he could have. Um, it, it's really hard to say with Ben. He's... Uh, you know, known for his drama. So I, you know, I, part of me thinks like, oh, no way he wouldn't do that. But then part of me is like, yeah, actually, he totally would do something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but then my second question, though, Austin, you did bring up Juju Smith-Schuster, who I like. I like his play style. I think he's a funny dude. 
Um, definitely has a great locker room presence. I mean, everybody in the NFL loves him. Maybe not Vontez Perfect, but everybody else. Um, but do you think Juju can handle being wide receiver number one when teams have been having to like double team Antonio and kind of go to the other side of the field? Do you think Juju can handle all of that pressure of being wide receiver number one? I do just because he's shown the ability to come down with those 50-50 balls. You know, he's shown the ability. I mean, he's done it. He did it his rookie year, and he did it this last year. You know, you take a quick pass, and you go 97 yards for a touchdown. So he's shown that versatility to, you know, either make a difference on a short play that goes big or, you know, come down with a deep pass, whether it's the sideline, whether it's in the middle, taking a shot. He's willing to block. You know, like you said, he gets – He's a good locker room guy. He, but yeah, I think he, I think Juju's shown the ability to earn that number one position. And as I, you know, going off what I said a little bit ago, the the Steelers are most definitely going to be getting another wide receiver in this draft, and it's probably going to be a speedster that's going to take the top off the defense. And so Juju's going to be just as open, if not more, as he was before with Brown being there. Yeah, and let's not forget they they drafted James Washington last year out of Oklahoma State, and he made some, he made some plays throughout the season. Um, obviously, wasn't very consistent because you just didn't see as much of the field as you'd want. But um, I'm with you. They're going to draft another guy, and they they build receivers better than anyone in the NFL. But um, I'm also excited to see what James Washington brings to the table next season. I like that. I like that. Yeah. No, that answers that perfectly. Hey, everybody, this is Dalton Reisner, one of the top offensive lineman prospects in the upcoming 2019 draft. He is from Kansas State. Hey, Dalton, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. It's a pleasure to be on here. Thank you for thank you for having me on. I sure appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. We are we are very happy to have you. So uh, what are you doing nowadays? Uh, getting up. I know you had your pro day a couple days ago. Now, what are you up to? You know, I'm busy with visits, man. You know, as soon as Pro Day was over, I found myself in Kansas City on a visit uh, and workout. And, you know, I'm just now meeting with the Buccaneers. Uh, I had dinner with them tonight. Workout in the morning. You know, I have the Chargers and Titans and Cardinals coming up. So just a lot of visits, man, and a lot of private workouts working out for these coaches. That that is awesome. So you're a busy guy. So, all right. So I got a question for you here. So how does a guy become a three-time team captain for a team like Kansas State? <laughs> well, I mean, I sure appreciate it, man. That's something that I take a lot of pride in. I'm glad you asked. And you know, we vote we vote by our, our teammates here. So it's not a it's not a popularity test between the coaches. It's amongst your teammates. And you know, I was a redshirt sophomore, so I was about 20 years old. Uh, if that, whenever I got voted captain, and you know, there's a lot of uh, 23-year-old men on the team that voted me as their captain. So I took a lot of pride in that at an early age, and you know, continue to get captain the next two years, and joined a group of uh, I think maybe five guys that have done that. So it was pretty special. That, that is awesome, man. That that it's really is a quite an accomplishment. So congratulations on that. Um, so obviously, with you being at Kansas State, you had uh, Bill Snyder as your head coach. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Bill Snyder? Maybe your favorite story or two about him. Yeah, you know, Coach Snyder was a tremendous life coach and a tremendous coach. Uh, one of the main reasons I came to Kansas State, you know, I knew he was going to mold me as a man, as a husband, as a son, as a friend, as a brother, as a teammate, and uh, I knew that that 
his priorities were about getting the most out of his players and not necessarily about getting up to the NFL. He had, he had good morals, man. So I really appreciate that. And, you know, so many funny memories with coach. I'd, I'd say that, you know, one of the most funny memories is, you know, coach is, um, you know, an older man in his career. And whenever I was uh, getting ready for my official visit, you know, or maybe after, maybe right when I committed, but he had, uh, told me, he said, Dalton, you know, I played basketball my whole life, football and basketball. And we're sitting there and he tells me, you know, Dalton, you know, one of the things I really love about you is how you're such a good wrestler. And I'm sitting down like, dude, I've never, I've never wrestled in high school. Like, I don't know what this guy's talking about, but he does with so many recruits and it was just funny. And then right after he told me, uh, he told me, uh, go, you and your family. I'm like, I'm like, what are you going to do? And you're like, we're like, we're probably going to celebrate coach. He said, all right, well, you guys go get yourselves a nice uh, ice cream pop at the local Dairy Queen or something. I'm like, all right, coach, I'll go get an ice cream pop, man. <laughs> that is awesome. That's awesome. So man, you went to Kansas state, a big school, but you're from Wiggins, Colorado, probably a, a pretty small town. What was it like going from Wiggins, Colorado to play for Kansas? Yeah, man, you know, definitely not probably. My town is just a little background. I got 800 people in my town, uh, no stoplights, uh, one restaurant, one gas station, you know, 1A football. We had 17 guys on my football team. I was a middle linebacker and a special teams gunner at 6'5", 320 pounds, if that tells you anything about me. <laughs> uh, maybe about the level of play. Um, and then, you know, 32 guys in my graduating class, 32 people. So, man, it was a small town uh, where everyone farms and a uh, great experience. But uh, I tell the story, I could probably talk for an hour, but, you know, getting offers was extremely difficult. No one wanted to offer a 1A kid. I knew that if I just did what was expected of me, that I would never make it. You know, my luckily I have two parents that support me in anything I want to do, and, and we started to go about 10, 15 camps every summer. Um, we even rented an electric car once and made a Midwest tour, and we realized we had to get myself in front of coaches and start learning what Division One talent and technique looked like, and we did exactly that. And I found myself three years later uh, with coaches that had recognized me from camp the past three years and um, finally opened my film, and I knew if they did that offer, and then offers kind of started trickling in, and it was easy when I chose Kansas State. Um, in today's day and age, not very many schools value the type of person you are, and they don't value who you'll become. Um, unfortunately, a lot of sports um, today in college have been all about winning and all about doing whatever it takes to get you the NFL. And, and don't get me wrong, I love to win. I want to play in the NFL, but I think that there's much more important things than that, and that's the type of person you are, how you treat people. Um, that's what's important, and how you're going to treat your family when football's over because football ends for everybody. And Kansas State just valued those things, and they were so much different than the other school in that respect, and it made my decision very easy. That's awesome, man. Yeah, dude, that's that's awesome. I didn't know you were from a town that small, and uh, I definitely understand the 1A school type. Uh, personally, I'm from a town of less than 700 people and had a graduating class of oh, 30 okay. miles. So I completely know, you know the, whole, the whole lifestyle. So uh, you got a life fan yeah, here. Uh, I, respect any, I respect anyone that, that knows that lifestyle, man, because it's a whole different uh, whole different upbringing. Us small town guys got to stick together. Hey, there we go. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, so I had the honor of uh, getting to meet you as well at the Senior Bowl um, during that day off because of the weather. And uh, I met you during the media time during the evening. And uh, getting to meet you, you know was awesome. So getting to have you on today is great. So I do appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk with us today. 
But uh, at the Senior Bowl, you know, kind of, can you kind of give us a deeper dive of like what that process was like, you know, being at the Senior Bowl and then going to the combine, the interview process of those, and then, you know, getting to be molded from Coach Gruden, you know, and I know he called you out at the end to kind of go on a one on one drill there at the end, which is awesome to see in person as well. So can you just kind of give us a deeper dive on how all that was? You know, um, you know, man, the Senior Bowl was a, a tremendous experience. You know, you get to go against top talent in the country, um, the top guys that you hear about, whether you're one of them or not. You get to go prove yourself, and you get to go do that in front of GMs and head coaches, and you get to go prove to them that you can learn a new playbook quick and that you can handle business meetings and handle, um, you know, new environments and then be able to play the game of football still, and that's what it's about. So, that experience was awesome, man. It was competitive as hell. You know, you're going up against great football players, and I personally think that I kicked ass that week. Um, the first day I might have struggled more than I wanted to, but um, really kicked some ass later in the week and then I had a great game. And playing underneath Coach Gruden, uh, a coach that values hard work and guys that want to get nasty, and that's the attitude I brought to the Senior Bowl. I know that uh, me and Coach Gruden worked great together. Um, I'd be honored to be a part of a staff like that, a staff that values hard work and guys that just want to get down and get dirty and go to work um so it was a perfect fit for me and like you said at the end you know him giving me a shot you know i think coach cruden you know knew that that'd be good publicity for me and respected the work i put in during the week at practice and it just meant a lot man i mean i haven't seen coach cruden since since then i was hoping i'd see him at combine but um just extremely appreciative for that week and the blessings that came and uh, it was an awesome week man that's awesome yeah and i would definitely agree that yeah that you kicked some ass that week for sure I so, that. Dalton, I got a, I got a question I got to ask you here. Who is the best player that you've ever lined up against? Man, so I've been asked this a lot, and I'll be honest, I've been given 50-50 answers, 51 <laughs> way, 50 the other. Um, here's what I'll tell you. The best pass rusher I've went against is Montez Sweat out of Mississippi State. Um, he's extremely, uh, extremely good football player. But I'd say the best football player I went against was Daniel Wise out of KU. Um, he, you know, Montez would go out for a couple plays and come in on third and long and take plays um, off on, you know, because he's a, he's a pass rusher and they, they had a great defensive line, so I didn't see him all game. And I think he's much better at pass than he has run. So a lot of respect for him. But at the same time, um, right. Daniel Wise out of KU was an all-around football player. And um, every bit of 290, 300 pounds, he lined up right across from you. Um, he played for KU, a big rival of ours, and he played there for three or four years. So we got to know each other real well over the few, last few years. Yeah, absolutely. That That's a compliment to both those players. Twofold question here I want to ask you, is there a player that you're looking forward to lining up against at the next level? Yeah, man, I don't want to sound cliche. Anyone that I get to play against the NFL will be a blessing. But, you know, you line up across from a – Aaron Donald and a Khalil Mack or a Von Miller and a Keem Hicks. I mean, I could go on and on about guys that are in the league, but defensive linemen are so dang good nowadays. They're so quick and so powerful and strong, and um, they make plays. So I don't know. I don't really know if I should say I'm looking forward to it or if I'm dreading it. But uh, <laughs> you know, it, uh, go, lining up across from guys like that will be it'll be an experience. I'll say. Well, we're uh, we're certainly going to look forward to watching you play against them, man. Appreciate it. Hey, Doug. Well, thank you, so- man. I know that you've played uh, a lot of different positions on the offensive line during your time at Kansas State um, and this year ending off uh, in at the tackle position. Um, during the combine or even senior week and talking with other teams, is there a position that they're kind of leaning towards for you? 
I think a lot of teams are just um, thrilled with my versatility, but it's one thing to say I'm versatile and one thing to show them. So what I've found in a lot of these workouts here in March is that a lot of teams are having me snap. They want to see me snap. They want to see me do the drills as a center. So that's what I've been doing. I think I think all teams, I, I really do believe that teams believe I can play right tackle all the way on down the line. Some teams show a little bit more interest in me being a tackle and show some a little bit more interest in me being an interior three guy, but I came across one team that said I can't do it, can't do interior, can't do exterior. They've all been thrilled to, to hear about my versatility. Right. That's awesome. Well, um, I'm a Jaguars fan over here and uh, down in Duval County, we need some versatile offensive linemen. So um, hey. I'm just hoping those uh, Dave Caldwell calls your name early in the draft. Our first podcast episode, we did a little mock draft and uh, I think Doug told you, but uh, Treese uh, mock draft you to the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. So we, all, the three of us, know exactly what he's saying with uh, wanting to see you down in Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah, when Trees made that pick, we were so stoked. We're like, "Oh, freak, dude, that's a good pick. We love Dalton." <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that, man. I want to have uh, I want to have any problem going down there. Don't you guys? Um, don't you guys have Cam Robinson down there? If I'm not mistaken, we do have Cam Robinson down there. Yeah, yeah. I'm about to. Um, <laughs> yeah, they do. Uh, about, they need you, Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool with that, man. I'm cool with that. I uh, I would love to, uh, like I said, man, I'd, I'd love to go down there. That'd be awesome. It'd be uh, cool to go play for Coach Marone. And, you know, I'm familiar with some of your guys on staff, so that'd be awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, uh, Doug, I think you have one more question for uh, Dalton here. Yeah, so Dalton, you're small ca- small town kid. You're going out. You're hitting your dreams, man. You're making the best out of any opportunity that you can. And one of the things that we absolutely love that you've done is you started a charity, the Reisner Up. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that and what your charity kind of focuses on? Um, most definitely, man. You know, I'm a part of the Reisner Up uh, Foundation. I created that my fifth and final year. And I've always been encouraged to help others, man. I, I'm a big, strong believer in faith, uh, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why I'm down here on earth, um, you know, not to play the game of football. I love the game of football, but that's not why I'm down here. Um, I found at an early age that I love to, you know, take care of, of people and make other people smile and impact them in a positive way. So, you know, while I was at school, I figured out that I loved doing it. And whether that's with kids that had cancer or kids that were part of Special Olympics or kids that got bullied, you know, I went and spoke at Manhattan schools uh, in the surrounding area and just had a passion for it. I wanted a way to bring it all together. So I created up the Rising Up Foundation. And it's not about one cause. Um, simply put, you know, I have a website. I'd love everyone to go check out. I have a Twitter page. I'm trying to get a following because I just started the page and um, simply put it's just about impacting people around you in a positive way I feel like in today's day and age um, the popular thing to do is to be selfish and take care of yourself and your family uh, which I completely understand is a priority but uh, I think a lot of people need to realize that we need to care for each other you know we're all we're all in this thing together and kindness is something that I think is easy to do and there needs to be more of so I'm extremely excited about the foundation and what happens with it and like I said I just got the website up and running, and I think it's going to be really, really cool. I have big plans to go across seas and do missionary work and um, all sorts of stuff, man. So I'm excited to see where it goes. Dude, that that's amazing. That's, that's we have so much respect for that. 
because uh, like I was saying, man, you're you're able to go out and do so much, and you're giving back to your community. And man, you're you're just out of college. You're not even in the NFL yet. You're heading on your way, but you're thinking about other people first. Like you're trying to put other people yeah. before you, dude. That's amazing. That that's awesome. I know on uh, Instagram you were just doing something for the Special Olympics that we were looking at, and it's just impressive yeah. uh, the community yeah. outreach you're doing. Oh, I appreciate that, man. I just raised a thousand dollars, and I know that's small scale, but you know when everyone's only donating five dollars per signature, you know that's a lot of people that showed up. And I got, I just dropped the check off tonight to Manhattan Special Olympics, and hopefully they buy new jerseys with it or whatever it is. And you know they have such an impact on me. I don't know if you guys have had the opportunity um, to be around anyone that has special needs, but they're 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 positive, they're energetic, they're they're happy to be alive. They are humble. They treat others amazing. They don't judge anybody. They don't care how people view them. And, and, and I believe God put them down here on earth to help us realize what we should be more like. You know, I hear people say, like, oh, that's so sad, or, you know, I feel bad for them. And I just laugh because I'm like, you know, I feel bad for us. You know, we, we care what people think. We judge others. We, you know, and I know that everyone's not perfect, including myself, but I think we could be a lot more like them and take some notes on, on how to approach life. And um, the biggest thing about it all, man, is that with this platform of football, um, so many guys do good, and it's so awesome to see guys like Tim Tebow and J.J. Watt and Jason Witten and Ladanian Tomlinson and the things they do for other people. It's amazing, and that's exactly what I want to do. Um, unfortunately, you hear about the guys that don't use their platform, and um, kids nowadays, whether you're doing good or bad, they're going to look up to you because you're a professional athlete, and they want to be a professional athlete, um, and that's big in today's world is sports. So I realize there's a lot of eyes on me, and you know I, I want to make sure that those eyes on me are seeing um the good works that i do love it that's yeah, awesome that man really is amazing dalton uh we'll be sure to uh send a link in our uh in our updated uh release of our app and uh, make sure that everybody sees where they can go and donate for you hey i really Really appreciate that, man. I sent uh, I sent Doug a picture of me in Jack Wa- Jacksonville Jaguars gear head to toe um, back when I was like probably four or five years old. So you guys have to make sure you take a look at that. We we want to see that picture, Dalton, up on the uh, the broadcast of the draft. It's, it's destiny. <laughs> yeah, it is destiny. I, I I'll just call Shad Khan right now and just tell him, hey, let's just, let's just book it. Let's we just, just get this done. Seven. We'll just take him at seven overall. It's it's no big deal. <laughs> I'm saying, man. I hope I'm not around for that uh, for them to pick me in the second round. So if they don't take me in the seventh, man, I don't know. <laughs> hey, we will, we will trade our ass up. We'll trade back into the first round. I don't care. We'll give up next year's first. I want you. Uh, yeah. hey, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for taking the time, Dalton. I know you obviously are a busy guy, a lot of things going on with all your stuff, but we really do appreciate you taking the time to uh, come and talk to us. Hey, thank you, fellas. It was a pleasure, man. Let me know if you need anything else. Yeah, we'll awesome. do. All right. Thank talk you, Dalton. Later, Dalton. Bye. Hey, take care, man. He's such a cool dude. So yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, small right. temple boys, we got to stick together. So Yeah, exactly. Hey, you two are you guys, all best right? friends. <laughs> I know, I'm so jealous of you that you said that because technically I'm from a small town in Blackfoot, Idaho. But then when you said that, I can't be like. It's a contest. Who's I know. the smallest? I couldn't be like, oh, yeah, I'm from a small town too. You know, yeah, like, exactly. uh, talk yeah, to I'm me. sure it is, Doug. I'm sure you guys want Earl <laughs> Thomas too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. 
Where do you guys think Le'Veon Bell is going to land? I think he's going to end up in New York. I think he's going to end up a Jet. Um, I was actually very certain that he was going to end up uh, in the black and silver with his friend Antonio Brown, but the way they spent money today, I just they just don't have the capital anymore. Um, I feel like the Jets have done great with their their smaller signings um, today. Uh, Anthony Barr's not that small, actually. Anthony Barr's a great player. Um, but And Crowder. They signed Crowder, which is a great outlet for uh, Sam Darnold. But um, they still got plenty of room, and I don't see really anybody else with a big-time money um, going after him. Like The Colts, that's just not their style. Um, Ballard just doesn't like bringing in big name free agents. Um, I guess Houston. I mean, they let they let Matthew go, um, saving that type of money. Um, if they could find a way to get Lamar Miller off their books, I, I could see Houston going after him. Yeah, I agree. I think I do think the Jets, you know, right now at the top. But I can also, you know, you mentioned the Colts not necessarily being that, but I wouldn't be surprised if they do. You know that would. I feel like that would just complete their their offense as a whole with Ebron at tight end, you know, Hill in that wide receiver, Luck, of course, being back at quarterback. But they do have, you know, that duo of Hines and Mack in the running back. So, you know, some people have said, you know, Mack can carry the role just as well as Bell could. So maybe he doesn't go there. But, you know, like you said with the Jets, I also kind of see the 49ers. I do see that as a possible landing spot as well. They do have a ton of money. Jerick McKinnon, I saw today, they can release him and have no tied money to him as well. You know, there's going to be no dead money with it. He'll be off the books. I think Bell could come in there with the opportunity of still being able to make a major trade of getting Odell Beckham Jr. That would be amazing for them. Could you imagine getting out to help their defense, bring in Bell, don't have to worry about um, McKinnon injury. You still got Breida behind bell so bell doesn't even need to carry the full workload if you wanted to like ease him into it you got jimmy g coming back you got in my opinion sorry the best tight end in football in george kittle and, <laughs> get out of here um <laughs> and then you got guys like godwin or goodwin sorry goodwin and uh pettis on the outside oh man that would be san francisco would be a fun game to uh, go to. I, I think I'd have to fly myself out to uh, San Jose and go to a few Niners games this season. So, here's one. I'll be honest, I see it going Jets or Niners. I really do. I think that'd be great. But, what if... I want your guys' opinion on this. What if he signed with the Baltimore Ravens? God, that would be a slap in the face to the Steelers. And you know, I, I would be all for it. I mean, that, right? <laughs> like that—that's Sun—that's Sunday night, week one, right? Like the mo- if that happened, like no doubt yeah. about it. Um, oh yeah, that would be awesome. Um, I mean, clearly the Ravens want to go like this ground and pound offense. I mean, they just re-signed another tight end. Um, I mean, they have like seventeen tight ends on their roster right now. And they'll probably uh, draft a few more. Yeah, <laughs> and with you know with Jackson still kind of in a sense learning how to be more accurate throwing the ball. Um, we all saw he was he carried the ball twenty five times his first game as a starter as a quarterback. Um, yeah, but I mean I do know that they love Gus, Gus Edwards um, over there in Baltimore, but um, 
yeah, if they had a chance to get Bell, I don't think that they would uh, pass on it. And I don't think money is like a crazy issue for them anymore. Their defense pretty much just got dismantled. All guys that were either expecting a big paycheck or they were like they were planning for a big paycheck. So, I mean, they cut Michael Crabtree. Willie Sneed's their number one wide receiver right now. So I don't. I I would like that, just like you said, as like a revenge play. Like they're gonna go after him, punch the Steelers in the face, smack them in the mouth every time they play. It'd be amazing. Yeah, didn't their GM come out to, uh, the other day and say that they've done a horrible job at drafting and finding wide receivers on in free agency? And Willie Sneed had to tweet out like we're ready or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, we're, we're ready. We're waiting. Yeah. The only question I had was, can, you know, Lamar Jackson, can he throw sideways? Um, you know, we definitely saw the struggle of his inaccuracy during the season and the amount of times that he would run the ball. But I do think it would be a very deadly threat, you know, in the run, in the read option game with, with a bell and Jackson. So I think it would be a good fit and it would definitely be, you know, like Tree said, a huge slap in the face to the Pittsburgh Steelers be amazing and they would be able they would be able to pay him as a wide receiver because they don't have any so it honestly might just be a match made in heaven who who are you are you are you Stephen a smith (laughs) (laughs) what i do (laughs) Stephen a smith the other day said that the carolina panthers should sign bell because they don't have wide receivers and they'll just (laughs) they'll either just move him or caffrey to wide receiver (laughs) <laughs> i am today i guess <laughs> well hey i mean i'd have that take with duke johnson i'd just say move him to slot yeah no for sure but here's the thing is duke johnson is that type of player Stephen That's a smith true. is suggesting a thousand yard runner just move the wide <laughs> receiver like it's no big deal hey he's good at his job all right <laughs> just kidding we did have a question on twitter from our guy devin brown uh, he asked, can you guys touch on possible landing spots for notable safeties this offseason? Obviously, we've seen uh, a few agreements reached. The three that I want to ask you guys about, we've got HaHa Clinton-Dix, Deshaun Gibson, and Earl Thomas. Doug, why don't you start? Uh, what do you see happening with Earl Thomas? You know, Earl Thomas, um, and I will give Tree some of this credit in our texting earlier, but I would love to see him personally, on the 49ers with Richard Sherman. Um, Almost, I mean, they're going to have to, they see Seattle quite a bit during the season. So it would be amazing to continue on with that revenge tour thought like Bell with the Ravens. Now Thomas with the Niners going up against the Seahawks. I think that would be amazing for him on a personal level. And also I feel like that would make him, like Sherman and Thomas would feed off of each other to just kick ass essentially. Where do you guys think Earl Thomas wants to sign? If he has his choice to go, and I mean he does, but if he could pick any situation, which one do you think he picks? Where the most money is. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is where the most money is. Um, I mean, if you're saying everybody's offering the same deal and like he can choose, um, I would say the Cowboys go back home. He's from he's from Texas. So what kind of money can the Niners offer? Who are they bidding against the most? Um, I mean, considering it's hasn't it's been what almost twelve hours since the legal tampering um, is public. Um, 
it'd be hard to say where it, with the main bidding war, just because I mean Collins just got signed, Marcus Joyner just got right. signed. Like there's slowly safeties are just getting knocked off. Matthew signed, so now it's becoming more desperate for teams if they're looking for a safety, they're gonna start offering heavier offers. Right. Yeah, I I could see the him getting the fifteen sixteen million a year for two year deal. Like two years, thirty-two million. Oh yeah, yep, yep. perfect. Austin, um, talk to me about Sean Gibson. Where do you see him landing? Yeah, so I think Gibson. I think a good few landing spots for him are going to be Houston, um, or New York. I think the Giants would be a good spot for him. I mean, right now, can you tell me who they have at safety? I couldn't name a safety on their roster. And so I think that, camp, we're good. Exactly. So I think <laughs> that would be a good fit. I don't think he's going to have a highest price tag as what some of these other guys are. So I think the Giants would actually be a pretty good fit for Gibson. Um, I could see him wanting to, just like how we were just talking about facing uh, the Seattle defense twice a year, Thomas went to San Francisco. I could see him wanting to face Jacksonville twice a year. Uh, ha-ha Clinton Dix. Uh, what's his best uh, suitor? Where do you think he's going to end up, Trees? Yeah, um, I think my... Two picks would be um, if Amos leaves the Bears, which it reports right now, or it sounds like he has a deal in place. We just don't know the team, but we know it's not the Bears. So I would say either the Bears or the Chargers. They let a die go, and so they need they need help at uh, safety. Um, so I could see Chargers or Bears for him. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I like that. So, Austin, how did you feel with the whole Justin Houston situation? You know, I compared it to where we were with Alex or where the Chiefs were with Alex Smith last year. You know, he was there was a big price tag there. He's getting older in the career. You know, he had his time here. He did well. He'll always be remembered here in the Chiefs in the kingdom. You know, what he did for the Chiefs was amazing. But it was coming to a point where everyone knew, you know, the end was here. You know, he played great last year, but we're not willing the Chiefs are not willing to pay fifteen million dollars for a guy that's in his thirties. He's been hurt the past couple of years, and they're ultimately wanting to just revamp that entire defensive scheme, you know, with an entirely new staff. They're even wanting to move on from Ford, which I don't think is a bad idea either. Even though they led the the league in sacks last year, they were one of the worst defenses and they can't stop and they couldn't stop anyone on defense, even if they were getting to the quarterback through the early parts of the game. So I think the end, it was, you know, at least here for the Chiefs fans, we knew it was coming to an end. I do like, though, your take with how it's like, it's not like it was, um, there weren't any hard feelings left. Like, it, it was purely like business, the Chiefs community, the Chiefs fans, Chiefs, sorry, the Chiefs kingdom will always love him. It's just, things happen. Business, yeah, it's, it's very much like what the Lions did with Glover Quinn. You know, it's just... Good things come to an end, and now you just hope that uh, through free agency in the draft, yeah, they, they, they plug the hole and keep this thing going forward. Doug, the Browns obviously also made a trade. Yeah. With they, the Giants, uh, was it the trade that you thought it was going to be? It seemed like there was some hype about a— John Dorsey's a mastermind. <laughs> he keeps he keeps shit so on lock that you have no clue what he's going to do. I'll be honest, like, I had no clue he was going to trade for Olivier Vernon. I thought it was a great trade. I love it. I think he'll be absolutely great across from Miles Garrett. Mm-hmm. Even if they move Ogba inside a little bit, play some three-tech, that'd be fine with me. Um, Ogba hasn't quite been what the Browns wanted him to be. Luckily, though, he's really cheap, and his contract is team-friendly. So keep Ogba, 
market him a little bit. Do what yeah, you have to right. do. It's fine. But as much as I loved uh, Zeitler being the best guard in the NFL, absolutely love him. But for what we're able to get from Olivier Vernon, and also now that they're restructuring his contract, I love the trade, and I I'm not looking back. Like I don't I'm not upset about it. Now we'll see what happens when we get into the season, week six to eight. If Olivier Vernon hasn't done shit, I'm gonna be mad. Right now I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> yeah. No, Treese, what uh, from your perspective did Cleveland do well in this trade? Um, how do you see this shaking out? Yeah, absolutely. You can never have too many pass rushers. Um, and that's exactly what they're doing. They're making it so um, you can't just try to go the opposite way of where Miles Garrett is. Um, and Vernon Vernon gives you that. So um, is his price tag super high? Yeah, of course it is. But, um, I mean, Dorsey and their their front office, they know how to manage their money. And so I think it's going to be a good a good thing for that Browns defense. Perfect. Yeah. No, a lot of good, a lot of good stuff happened over the weekend, and I'm pretty excited to see what happens come Wednesday when everything's finalized. It's a great time of year for sure. You know, we've talked a lot today about free agency, some things going on. We were able to interview Dalton Reisner, guys. It was fun. It was a, it was a blast. And so, just us signing out. This is Doug, Austin, Treese, and Riley. And today we've been talking football. Thank you for listening to the Talking Football Podcast. Our passion is football and talking about everything going on in the world of football. And you, the listener, bring purpose to what we do. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review and interact with us on Twitter at Talking underscore football. Thanks again for listening.